With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So a most strange round of fixtures concluded this weekend with Spurs and Liverpool drawing what was just the fourth actually completed game in the Premier League. It saw us enter Christmas in the most weird of spots. No, I'm not talking about City winning massively again. I'm not talking about Foden being benched nor Salah blanking, but instead Arsenal were fourth. Fourth. Strange times indeed, with the ghost of success's past coming into view this Christmas. Anyway, the decimated game week led to FPL managers all over the shop, digging deep, taking hits all over the place, and generally just you know, dealing with the sucker punches, to be honest, as the COVID crapshoot ramped up as we returned to talk about the game we begrudgingly love you know, after a pod off last Thursday. We are, of course, who got the assist. I'm Tom. You can find me on Twitter at WCA underscore FPL. My co-host is Anthony at FPL Stag. The lead code is 2IP. 4-3-T. And as you'll see, if you're watching on YouTube and you'll hear in just a second, we're not alone tonight. Yes, for the third year in a row, we'd like to be joined for our annual festive edition by Mark, aka FPL General, for what's now become a bit of a traditional guest slot for you. Welcome, Mark. Great to see you again, sir. Yeah, good to be here again. I was I was thinking it was a hat-trick of appearances now, so I'll be keeping an eye out for the postman over Christmas. I'll be getting some kind of who got the assist match ball in the post. So yeah, always look forward to this every Christmas. It seemed to roll around very, very quickly each year. So always good fun to be on and been listening all season. So always good to be here. Yeah, we've uh, specially handcrafted a crystal on the way for you. Just just keep an eye out there. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll come at some stage, Mark. It's uh, great to have you on. Thanks very much for coming. And uh, yes, indeed. As you say, Tom, strange times, strange times indeed. Um, you called it a round of fixtures. It really wasn't even barely half that, really. And I guess that is what we're going to be talking about in this podcast. It's unavoidable and we've got to delve into it. So how are we going to begin to even navigate these strangest of times? We'll talk about team building, management style, and we'll look into suggestions as well of what, in an ideal world, official FPL could do to soften the blow of all this, but I guess are unlikely to do. We'll also have the return of the correspondence section to add some festive cheer to this particularly difficult pod. And then we will have listener questions as per usual. However, we are going to start off with the Game Week Reviews. Yes, and it starts off with me. As I said, it's very, very strange times if I'm starting the podcast with a good week. But it was a good week. It was 73 minus 8. I had a 13-point profit as well as I sold four non-playing players. uh, Douglas Louise, not David Louise, Anthony, Douglas Louise, Bowen, Gallagher, and Ronaldo. Someone on YouTube actually told me it's a hard G, remonstrating that it's a hard G, and he'd apparently asked the man himself. So, you know, what do we know? What do we know? Anyway, (laughs) the unfortunate drawback of the players that I brought in who were Watkins, Foden, Martinelli and Saka was that Watkins and Foden, neither of them played. Watkins, the game was called off 10 minutes before the deadline, I think it was. And I did it on the Friday night. And uh, Foden, well, has been naughty steps by the looks of it. More on that later. But luckily, the two players I did bring in, Saka and spectacularly uh, old Gabby Martinelli, did very, very well. Um, Martinelli got a lovely 15-pointer and the Saka, uh, did a goal effectively so 65 points net 73 points gross 
And uh, yeah, that, that punt on Martinelli really made the week for me. So a friend of mine, FPL Libero, points out of the last six, his stats were pretty good. And, you know, I was thinking, well, why not? I've, I've got a, non, a few non-playing players here. And just because that Villa game had been called off, that's why I kind of decided to move him in for, for Douglas Luiz. So yeah, a nice Saturday with Saka and Martinelli doing the business. Fairly decent day on Sunday as well. Dampened by Foden, um, not playing, but you know, Cancelo returns. I noted that he was sold by 600,000 managers for that blank versus lead so that was uh, quite satisfying actually I, I thought everyone owned him but no lots of people had sold and strangely enough the big highlight for me was the nil nil the Chelsea Wolves because that gave me a double clean sheet uh, Reese James and of course Connor bloody Cody and the Liverpool game was a bit meh you know Trent and Jota I think approach everyone owns them for sevens and Mo Salah with a blank his first since game week two should we grumble about him or no that's, that's just not uh, but anyway yes 73 points pretty decent I'm up to the dizzy, dizzy heights of 159k. I, I wanted to be in top 100k by Christmas, but 159k, I, I can deal with that. Mark, I think you're next up. 67 points this week. Talk us for it. Yeah, good game week. I went in with 10 players, just made one free transfer. In the end, got rid of Watkins for Lacazette, and I was very lucky. I was almost one of those 1 million managers who sold Watkins before the deadline because I always say to people, you know, leave it until two or three minutes before the deadline. But once it gets to 20 minutes, half an hour, I get very agitated and I start looking at other transfer options. And sometimes I like just getting the transfer done so I can stop thinking about it. But thankfully this time I did wait. Uh, so then it was a it was a last minute transfer. Lacazette, I brought in. Uh, first time I brought in a player this season who wasn't on my watch list, which kind of tells you how the game week ended up. Lacazette became an option with with the postponement. So yeah, avoided, avoided a hit. I was very tempted to go minus four to get four in. So in hindsight, glad I didn't do that. 67 points. I think I went from 19K to 12K. Uh, you mentioned there aiming for top 100K by Christmas. That's always my aim as well. So it's nice to be a little bit ahead of that. Uh, hopefully set myself up for a for another good finish. The f- big at the back came in good. Cancelo, Trent and the two Chelsea guys. And then Rafinha and Jota in midfield with the goals and Lacazette's assist. So yeah, overall, I think it's back-to-back green arrow. So it's, it's a nice place to be at Christmas time. It wasn't as good of a game week for me, unfortunately. Um, you're you're both going quite well there, I guess, lads, at this point, and kind of in and around where you'd like to be. Whereas I'm still outside the top five hundred thousand. I've been up and I've been down, I've been up and I've been down, and I'm just on a little bit of an upward curve. But I think all I'm doing is beating off dead teams at the moment, and I'm not really making any ground against anyone who's in any active mini league that I'm in or anything like that. So for me, it ended as fifty three points. There was one transfer in there. I. Got Watkins in about a half an hour before the original deadline. I thought, mm, that'll be great. Glad to get uh, Watkins in. I thought that was going to bring me up to 10 players for the game week. In the end, Watkins no-showed. And of course, Mr. Foden also no-showed. And I already knew that Guaita was going to no-show as well. So that meant that I ended up with eight men. That was pretty disappointing, I guess. The big at the back also came in well for me, as it did for pretty much everyone else. But in... I still feel like I ended up losing points versus the template with my... Because Rudiger got a clean sheet, of course, but he had a yellow card, so he had five. James had a six. I had Alexander-Arnold like everybody. I had Cangelo like everybody. And then it was Ben White was my fifth as well. And I feel like quite a lot of people had a, a Cody or somebody else who came in good with a few more points than that. So I feel like even my defense, where things went broadly quite well, I still lost out on four or five points. In midfield, things kind of get a little bit more disastrous. I went with the Salah captaincy. I was very tempted to not do it but my I, what I was worried about was okay A there was just zagging against the Salah thing but 
even more on my mind was just like I feared the city game would get called off or something would happen or just Pep Roulette would hit me and so I didn't go for a, a city player now the good thing here is that I probably would have gone for Foden and I probably would have ended up with a vice captain on Salah and it probably wouldn't have made much of a difference but Cancelo was in my mind but it wasn't it wasn't going to happen I didn't I didn't have the risk appetite to go for it and so I guess here I am with a bad week I have still got Smith Rowe in my midfield he had his six pointer which was I guess fortunate for me that's kind of twice I've been kind of got out of jail by him but still that was a a loss versus many people who had either Rafinha or Jota as well two midfielders who I'm missing out on based because I have Foden and uh, those were points lost against the template I had Gabriel Jesus up top he actually played great he got a return fantastic but for now I'll take the assist a five pointer from the hero that he is uh, when he finally showed up so that was great uh, Watkins as I said the no show it's not so much a disappointing game week it's more just compounded disappointment that the season just isn't kind of getting that kickstart moment mm. I think there was quite a while where any listener would have known that I was zagging against the template trying to catch up I've kind of now just gone in towards the template and in trying to go towards the template I'm just starting to find that I'm still just marginally off all the time I'm, I'm bleeding fives and tens constantly whereas at least I might have had the, the fun of trying to catch the 20 point gains if I you know made some particularly big moves or whatever so maybe I'm going to start going back towards that again because this whole languishing at half mil is not much good either no doesn't sound fun at all objectives quickly Anthony how did yours come out this week I continue to captain with the Herd and the Algos. I didn't really have any questions about transferring out elite players. Uh, I did make my transfers quite late uh, ahead of the deadline, but then the deadline moved, so does that even count? <laughs> nah, we'll give you that one. <laughs> yeah, we'll give, <laughs> give it to me, yeah. I think that particular objective, which was not to make transfers late, late, late on a Friday night or on a, on a Saturday morning, this was kind of like just pre-deadline. Basically, I started to want to make Thursday transfers and Friday sometime in the daytime transfers in a standard game week that is now out the window within the current COVID context also I think that my play style one which was about maxing 10 hits for the season I think I'm going to have to start taking more hits to just get through this particular festive period uh, if game weeks continue to go ahead and so I fear that that one's going to have a massive asterisk on it that you know it was Omicron that did it not me (laughs) and I will probably start to abandon two of my objectives for the next half of the season. Wow. Oh, okay. Adjusting the play style to fit the situation. I get it. I get it. Um, for me, Captain C, do what Mikel's algorithm tells me to do. Yeah, I did that Saturday this week. Um, transfers and 50-50 situation take the hit. Well, I did in the end, I suppose, because I was in line with the third objective, taking a chance on form, one of the ropier objectives at the start of the season, but now coming into its own. As I look at the underlying data of the likes of Saka and Marcinelli and think, you know what? Yeah, it is worth it. The two of them kind of synergizing quite nicely at the moment. And Mark, you know, do you do objectives for yourself at the start of the season? I mean, your play style is quite well known. Can you just talk us through kind of how you kind of go about all of this? Yeah, at the start of each new season, I do kind of draw up an A4 sheet of paper uh, with bullet points, basically kind of an overall strategy for the season. A lot of seasons, the same stuff stays on it, but I do make small tweaks from season to season. And And it actually came into play last week. Last week was a good example of where it helped me because the previous game week, Phil Foden hurt me when I didn't have him. And straight away, you know, Monday, Tuesday, I was like, right, priority this week is get Phil Foden. It's going to take a minus four, but I want him. I don't like not owning them. So no matter what, I'm just going to buy them for this game week. And then I got to the weekend and even just, you know, just before the Villa game got postponed, I was still looking at minus four to get Foden. I think I was going to get rid of Jared Bowen 
And I was going to have to get rid of Josh King for, I was even looking at someone like Broja who didn't have a fixture or Gailhart at Leeds. And in the end, it, I started to waver as the deadline got closer. And I thought, I went back to my list of rules and, and two of them are, you know, the first one is don't take unnecessary point sets. And another one is don't buy one player out of fear. And I think I was buying Foden because of what he did the previous week. And in the end, it worked out well because Pep did me a favor and didn't play him. And I, you know, I, I saved my minus four points. I think I've only taken maybe three or four hits, maybe three so far this season. So I'm kind of on course to what I usually do. So yeah, it's good. I think it's good to have that sanity check sometimes just to go back to it just before you make your transfers. But again, you know, in the, in, at the end of the day, it probably was Villa getting postponed, which saved me anyway, because it kind of changed my plans. I wanted to sell Watkins in. But yeah, I think it's definitely good to have objectives. And I like what you have been doing this season, you know, referring to it every week. Because you do, it's very easy just to forget about them after a couple of weeks. And if I'm honest, maybe last three or four game weeks, I haven't looked at them. And then last week was the first time I did so. So it's it's important to go back to them. It's about having a regimented style of play, especially for me, after the last kind of few seasons of not getting where I want to be, just having that early season clarity and hoping that reaches into the season itself. It's something to just kind of try to keep me on the straight and narrow to some extent. Right. But just the mini league update quickly. We are going to be closing the mini league after Boxing Day. So one last game week to join the league coders to IP43T. And this is because there is yet another new leader in the mini league. Yes. A mini league where you only get our undying respect if you win. But yet people are still trying to join to win. Uh, the new leader is Troy Hope who has joined on 1283 points. He's actually three points ahead of the uh, erstwhile leader, the Inkerman leader, who was Ryan Quinn. He's now, he's still in second. No scout, no glory on 72 points this week. Uh, in third, down from second, it's Ross Loggerwoods with the Deuce of Hazard, 68 points this week. In fourth, up from sixth, it's our friend James Corolt, 67 points this week. Very strong week. I think he's in the top 300, so I, I don't even know where Troy would be. Probably nudging the top 100, perhaps. Wow. In fifth, up from seventh, Money Mace, Torty, and Pettersson, 65 this week. In sixth, all the way up in 27th, is Joachim Lengroff, Artinesta, 683, sorry, minus four. Wow, what a week for Joachim. Seventh, up from 14th, Harry Dickinson, 71 points. Eighth, up from 12th, Rizo Robinson, Zonal Markson, 66 points. And two people in joint ninth, Harry Solomons, up from 16th, Came Fit My Willian, 69. And uh, Daniel Arkoff, Architect, who's been in and around the top 10 this year. He's back up in the top 10, joint ninth, after a 72 point game week. So, yeah, very, very good. Well done, everybody who's ended up in the top 10 as we go into Christmas period. And finally, the market forces, obviously, no one in the right mind should be making transfers, should they, Anthony? But it seems like they. Are. Yeah, of all times, it seems like this is not the time to be making early transfers, but that doesn't stop some people. And most of them have been trying to catch up with you, Tom, buying in old Gabby Martinelli. He's now actually 5.3, so he's actually had a price rise in the time since um, the last game week. If you want to bend the stats whichever way you like, four goals and six, three goals and two, four returns and three, just off double figure hole versus Leeds. Uh, there's plenty of ways to spin it, or you could just say he has an hour to weigh next. But realistically, we know that people are probably just responding to one double-figure haul in the last game week. Either way, he leads the way in terms of transfers in. 202k transfers in. He's followed up by El Cancelo there with 133k transfers in. After that, it's a bit of a smattering. Manuel Dennis is the third most transferred in. He's followed up by Diogo Jota, Emil Smith-Rowe, which... I, uh, it's a, it's a puzzling one, I must say. It's like 
he did a goal, but guys, he, he didn't do a start twice. So <laughs> I'm not sure what's quite going on with that particular one. But I guess it just shows the fact that aside from Martinelli and Cancelo, the inbound market is pretty slow at the moment. And indeed, the outbound market is largely COVID oriented but it's it's kind of hard to say for certain in that okay you've got Van Dijk who we, we do know to be a positive case he's been he is the most transferred out player right now with 70,000 transfers out uh, behind him in terms of defenders in terms of transferred out it's Andy Robertson who of course is uh, suspended for the next game so he's been transferred out by 30k uh, managers there's a smattering of midfielders who have about you know 30 to 40k transfers out Bernardo Silva Emil Smith-Rowe there, go figure, he's on both columns. Gallagher, Foden, Ben Rama as well. And then Jamie Vardy is by is the most transferred out forward with about 40k transfers out. So uh, hard to interpret much in the sales except for just a bit of frustration about no-shows, I think, largely. Maybe with the exception of Bernardo, where you could just say the people who bought him in have now realised that he might have been overperforming. Just a bit. Yeah, I think we'll probably see a big spike of transfers from bleary-eyed managers on Boxing Day morning, that's for sure. Just I think I'll be one of them just hoping that I don't transfer in the wrong player or something like that. But yeah, it's it's fine, guys. The deadline might move. <laughs> yeah. oh, let's, let's hope not. Right. Let's take a quick break there and move on to the main topic just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to talk about the main topic this week, which is how do we navigate this uncertain time in FPL as Anthony trailed earlier on? The timestamp just to do it is the 20th of December, so Monday after the game week just ended. Just to explain the outline, I want to stress that we won't be speculating on players such teams missing games, if the league should or shouldn't be called off, plus all other stuff like that. It's just a bit tiresome to go into, to be honest. Nor are we going to be commenting on the government, because that's not what the pod's here for, despite a few jokes here and there. Also, get jabs, double jab, boosted, do it. And I think the idea of not commenting on kind of stuff going on is really underlined by today's events. Like we all thought that perhaps one of the game weeks over Christmas might end up being binned off. But today the clubs said that they would continue to plough on over the Christmas period. No club wants to pause the season, according to the Guardian. And only a handful of clubs wanted the 28th to be off. And I think Liverpool were one of the few among them, but most clubs did want to plough on. And in case you missed it, there's a bit of clarity now around if games are on or off now, so 13 outfield players plus a goalkeeper is enough to avoid postponement. So games will go ahead regardless of anything, unless it's proper dire straits, it seems, with infected players missing out what will happen now rather than games being called off. So the dynamics kind of shifted from a whole fixture going to, oh, you know, a whole tranche of players is gone. So the sort of lottery you're buying a ticket for has changed week to week. Quick note as well, the league said today that 77% of players in the Premier League are double vaccinated compared to 95% plus in the likes of Serie A and the Bundesliga. But anyway, those are the facts. Instead, what we'll be focusing on this pod is navigating ourselves through this tricky period. Economics will refer to uh, what's happening as an external shocks hitting us, so things beyond our control which govern outcomes. There's a hefty slice of fortune slash variance slash whatever you want to call it involved in what we're seeing. But nonetheless, we hope some of our advice here will help you in these troubled waters or through the troubled waters, perhaps. We're not all in the same boat, but I'd argue there's broadly enough similarity in the vessels that we're all sailing in for these words of wisdom to 
be fairly useful to help us navigate anyway. We're providing you with a sextant. Uh, let's talk about this whole period. I think we should talk about kind of play style and mentality here. And Mark, you're saying just when we're taking the break that you're more of a week to week manager anyway. I mean, has this strange period begun to kind of amplify that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like I was saying, it's, 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 I think it's quite refreshing in many ways. I think, especially for a manager like me, I've never been a big planner. You know, I, I always see people say, I'm going to do X transfer this week, Y transfer the following week. You know, I've never been that kind of manager. I'm always, I keep my watch list. I know the players I'm interested in. I know what the fixtures are like. And I, I very much do take it week by week or, or maybe just two game weeks ahead because things change so quickly. Uh, and, and nowadays, obviously, that, that's been amplified. So it's it kind of suits me. And, and I feel like it's refreshing in that you can almost just switch off now until closer to deadline. Whereas before, you're totally engaged on a daily basis. You're checking everything. But now you can you can maybe just check once a day or, or even just take a couple of days away from social media and Twitter and stuff like that because there's no point doing anything until you know, an hour minimum before the, before the deadline. So yeah, it's, for me, it's, it has been very refreshing and I think it's, it suits me because I'm a patient manager anyway. And I'd like that it's forcing all the impatient managers to be patient because, you know, you know, the managers who like to make their transfers early and, and build team value and stuff. I think that's, that's out the window now. You've got to just wait for your information and probably, you know, it's a bit uncomfortable for those kind of managers having to change their play style, but it's important. I think that you do so now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a really interesting question that comes to mind from listening to you is, do the standard rules of good FPL plays still apply? I mean, I'd argue they probably don't at the moment. We need to shift to kind of what you're talking about, a more tactical week-to-week mindset rather than a a long-term strategic one, which engaged managers do normally favour, actually. Uh, But you you see it a lot. I mean, I appreciate there's people like yourself who are kind of like, you know, every week I'm going to set up as well as I can to attack the week. But a lot of people do have that kind of idea or a vague plan or a you know, a pad somewhere with game week 26, I'm going to be buying this player and for that player. And then three weeks later, I'll then move him out to enable another thing to happen. I think there's definite scope to kind of play fast and loose now with the players you've got. Treat them perhaps as mercenaries as far as possible. I mean, obviously you can have some players with loads of kind of cash in them. So you probably do not want to shift them all on. But I think we should probably be a bit less squeamish perhaps about a few moves, which otherwise would be totally frowned upon. I was thinking just you were speaking about a few things which may fall into that category of things you wouldn't normally do, perhaps, but removing players that you bought the week before, that could be something which actually becomes quite prevalent now. So you saw, you said you saw Watkins. I'm assuming you haven't held him for that long. Yeah, had um, him for one game week, yeah. Yeah, one game week, exactly. Removing players with good fixtures on the horizon. So maybe you might hear, you may hear that a player's out for a while. Well, you know, you've got no idea when they're going to come back. So that, that's perfectly reasonable. And as we've spoken about the objectives, perhaps taking a few more hits than normal. The mantra that minus four is really a minus two and minus four is the new zero, that I think is going to be in full swing now in a lot of people's minds. So this week just gone, the top K average was on minus 1.9. The legendary manager cohort, which includes you, Mark, actually, on live FPL, minus 2.63 points for overall. And the overall game was on minus 1.37. So hits are prevalent. There are definitely a few differences, aren't there, Anthony, in how people are setting up. I mean, are the rules out the window, in your opinion? I guess what this hints at, and I think you're teaming up nicely, is what I have decided to throw overboard, if we're going to talk about same ships, when I've decided to throw overboard my objective to minimise hits. And I think that is something that no longer seems to fit with the current way things are. You can't plan two game weeks ahead. It, I guess it goes without saying, but when you don't know if a player is going to play, or indeed if that fixture is even going to be held, you probably need to 
<laughs> just move game week by game week in a really a more aggressive sense, I think. And also, I think one thing that we'll be taking into account far more is the chronology of games. You know, the games we know most about are the ones that are nearest to us. Um, this doesn't, you know, hugely apply to the upcoming game week when all of the, you know, all but one, bar one of the games occur on the same day. But I think when we get to game week 20, for example, we've got Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Realistically, you're probably going to be targeting Tuesday games more so than Thursday games, just in a general sense of the word. And I think that is something that's going to be adapted into the play style too. Usually chronology doesn't come into things except for the very rare time when there's a storm or snow or something that really needs to be considered, or perhaps when there's a, you know, two captains playing in the same day type of thing, that is going to be something that we need to take into account far more as well. For me, kind of more broadly, where I maybe differ from, especially you, Mark, and to an extent you, Tom, is that I'm so far behind. I probably would need to play even more aggressively. This is actually an opportunity to catch up, especially if it, if it seems like there's going to be a day where the template is... Uh, halved let's say and if i play my cards right i could end up gaining 20 30 points on the template just by dent of having players who have good fixtures who score and because i don't have much value tied up in quite a lot of the template players because i bought them so late maybe i have the advantage of being able to do that and not being concerned about the ramifications of it later i've already dug my own grave in that regard absolutely i mean as, as well in terms of you know as you said, there being a big opportunity, it's interesting how that's kind of cancelled out perhaps the lack of uh, advance, uh, opportunity to gain through the kind of ubiquitous Salah captain, which I think is kind of slowly reaching its end point now. Obviously, it's his first blanks. It's game week two. We can't really say it's all over. But you know, as you said, with players out, players being shifted around, those last-minute no-shows, which are going to happen now after the deadline a lot, I suspect. I suspect the game will go ahead, but suddenly you'll find that your defender's not playing because he's a suspected case. I think that that's going to create a frustrating but opportunity filled environment for a lot of people just on this bit as well how many hits every week how many men are we going to be aiming to get as far as we possibly can i mean fpl sigurd i thought made an interesting point on twitter which was that if you're buying players they need to be in with an expected outcome of four points which which definitely makes sense but it means that you can be more targeted of what you're doing so buying a Martinelli or something to, for a Bowen is probably better for a hit than buying a Ramsdale for a De Gea. There's just no point in doing that. Um, I mean, general, are there, are there any kind of rules that you'll be catering to or is it just kind of a case of just kind of saying, right, I'm just going to do my best in the confines of how I set up? Yeah, it's um, a couple of weeks ago, I kind of took steps to to get a more rounded squad. So I've I've got quite a strong 14 and that's helped me the last two game weeks, you know, not going for the likes of Ronaldo's and Keynes and stuff like that. You know, my bench going into this week now, if all goes to plan, something like Rafinha, Josh King and Leveramento. So even if I do, you know, once in postponements hit last week, I wasn't too bothered because I, I had 10 players right off the bat um, and it didn't hit me too hard. So I knew I was probably going to get a green arrow. So I think I think most people are going to go that way now. You're going to you're going to fill out your benches a bit more, try and have a stronger squad rather than just just 11 players. And then going back to Anthony's point as well about, you know, trying to minimize point sets. You know, I've, I've always tried to minimize point sets. I, I don't like taking them, but I think I'm going to have to adjust now as the game weeks go. It's it's going to be a little bit, I'll be out of my comfort zone taking, taking more hits than I usually do. But, you know, last week's a good example. Uh, I didn't take the hit for Foden, but on, on the flip side, I also didn't take a hit to get rid of Bowen for Martinelli, which which was on my mind because I really fancied Martinelli going into the Leeds fixture. I, I fancied any Arsenal midfielder, really. And, and if I had gone, just been a bit more brave and gone for any of them, Smith Rowe, you know, Saka, Martinelli, I would have 
you know, benefited from that. So I think going into the next couple of game weeks, I'm going to be more open to the point sets. You know, at, at the start of the season, going back to, you know, do the standard rules apply. Um, when I when I drop my list of rules every season, the very last bullet point is nothing is ever set in stone and always be flexible and, and adjust. And we think we have to adjust now. So that's one thing. I think my goal was to kind of aim for minus 20 over the course of the season. That's out the window now because it's going to be game weeks yeah. where you have, if you're looking at seven players, you know, two or three hits, I'm not really going to count those because if, if they're for the right players, you know, you know, last week was a good example, Arsenal attackers or Manchester City attackers because they had good fixtures, absolutely fine to take a minus four. They doesn't feel like a minus four when you don't have 11 and you're getting good players with a good fixture, you know, maybe it is the new zero. Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said about kind of taking steps to round off your squad a second ago is what I was thinking about in terms of just kind of general advice for this period, just because I think it is quite different. Like in the current context, my principal strategy to like insulate myself from COVID shock, I suppose, in terms of the external shock stuff is depth and breadth of quality, I think. So, you know, in midweek, I didn't want to move out Ronaldo and Douglas Louise because, so the, not this game, we just got the one before that. I didn't want to move them out because I was worried I'd end up with a bench headache this weekend. And that got me into a situation where actually I'd move those players on the next week. And I was so worried about having eight good attacking players that, you know, I missed out on points for a couple of weeks. And I, I guess I learned the lesson the hard way, really, that in these uncertain times, it doesn't really matter if you've got that depth of quality in your squad like it does normally. Like trying to shed that fear of benching is probably uh, quite a tough thing for a lot of managers, but like, these aren't normal times at all. And I think I'm going to keep without that second premium slot, actually, for the, for the short term, you know, have the cut price premium of Son, perhaps, in the future, um, rather than a Ronaldo, a Kane, or even a KDB. Because now I've got that kind of strong eight-man attack. I guess it kind of helps if players miss out because of COVID, because I'm in a situation where I'm confident that any of my players who do make it on the field are talismanic or you know have strong underlying data to get me points, whatever the situation may be. And I look at this week, I got 65 points in there with nine men. And you know, there, there are some of the templates still hanging around that Anthony said it could halve every now and again, but it has mostly held together thus far. We've all been getting points from Liverpool double, or in most cases, trios or Anthony, and the Jack at the back as well with uh, James and Cancelo. I guess the small benefits each week become amplified again. Again, the likes of Vance Martinelli and something like that, I guess, is probably the difference maker. Anthony, what do you reckon to um, just kind of general kind of points of advice then? I've been kind of thinking about this. And you know, one of the questions maybe might relate to formation. And this is maybe more precise when it comes to where it is you might target with your transfers at the moment. Forwards are still underperforming. Like in, in, the, in, in the midst of all of this, like, you know, confusing cloud of COVID, there is also underperforming forwards. And just for example, just in the last, uh, I think since game week 13, like only seven forwards have scored more than once. Seven. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. And two and only two forwards have scored three. Like that's the highest. It's Ronaldo and Emmanuel Dennis in that category. Uh, on XG, only two of them are over 2.0 and that's Ronaldo and Lacazette. So I guess one thing you could be doing is looking to really load up in midfield rather than getting too overly flustered about the strikers who are probably going to disappoint you and who I guess there is the caveat of they also just get one point less for a goal anyway so you're just more likely to get that payoff uh, with the midfielders uh, at the moment both from a foreign point of view and both from the FPL points perspective so I think that is something maybe it goes without saying but I think also should be kept in mind that if you're if you're thinking about how you can field an 11 there's probably more routes to points based on form at the moment in midfield than there is in the forwards that's 
Yeah, no, that's, that's fair play. That's, that's what I did this week. I just was just like, I'm going striker this. Screw Lacazette. I'm going to just get um, Saka and Martinelli in. I mean, it's quite a straightforward topic, I think. I think one of the ways to kind of elevate it a little bit is thinking about how OFPL could help. I mean, obviously, we're not entirely sure they can do anything. But for engagement's sake, I think it might not be the worst idea if they did. I mean, I'm definitely seeing like a drop-off in terms of the playing core. I can see it at work, for example, in my work mini leagues, people have just kind of stopped playing now. I think people just think, what's the point? If they've suddenly got five to six men from nowhere, they've got to take a minus eight, minus 12, maybe maybe think, you know what, what's the point anymore? It's just too random. And FPL is, is always a great engagement tool for the Premier League to reach and interact with managers worldwide. Although admittedly, the segment over-indexes on bearded, jaded men like, like the three of us. <laughs> but I think there are a few kind of potential ideas that I was thinking about noodling over as they say earlier on and one of the ideas that I think if possible they would they could do is like something like a COVID transfer and so if a player has been ruled out because the fixture has been cancelled you have one extra no strings transfer on top of your main three that you can that you can use each week I mean you can't roll it but you can use it and that could help just manage the situation a little bit give you an extra kind of couple of players on the fly Another option, another idea, Andy Martin on the spaces I was on, I think it was on Friday night, he gave this idea of a COVID bench. So you've got three players who are in sort of a shadow team that you can call on at no cost if your players are ruled out. But you still have to buy them if you want them regularly sort of thing. So you can kind of use them as kind of a shadow boxing thing rather than them being proper. And there are, those are a couple of, of ideas, but I guess there are some people out there who say, you know, like it or lump it, it's part and parcel of the game, you just have to deal with it. What do you make of these sorts of ideas, uh, Mark? And where do you sit on kind of people who just say, you know what, just like it or lump it, just deal with it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of traditional, but I think I think it's because I'm doing well this season as well. I'm like, don't change anything. I'm doing fine. I don't I don't care about the other people who are who are struggling. <laughs> yeah, I think of course. You know, it's things haven't changed in FPL for for a long time now, which is which is a good thing because you know when something's not broken, you don't fix it. But I think we would all, especially during these times, it would be quite refreshing to see something, even if it's just for this season, something different. I like the idea of the eighteen man squad instead of instead of fifteen. You know, kind of reflects Premier League teams anyway, and and maybe you know you could restrict it in some way that you know your three reserve players you know you can only spend a maximum of, of 20 million or something on those three players who so kind of forces you or or maybe they have to be under a certain ownership or something that would be interesting I think I like the COVID transfer idea I played fantasy Scotland last season and I think I remember what happened was if a player left the league so let's say they transferred to another league you got to get rid of them for free you know you didn't it didn't cost you a transfer so you got you know that that transfer was waived so you know if you're if a player gets reeled out because of self-isolation or, or testing positive or whatever, it would be nice just to be able to, to replace them without losing your free transfer. Uh, again, obviously, unlikely that anything this, this is going to happen, but it's, it's interesting to talk about it. Things like that, it would, it would be quite refreshing. So, yeah, hopefully they'll do something. What do you think, Anthony? I call on FPL to make things mellow. Make everything level again. That's, that's what I call fair. Uh, and what I mean by that is just a free hit per week. Just, just wipe it all out. Free hit every single week, and that is how you could actually, actually have everyone in the same boat. Because then you would have your weekly, you know, you basically end up with like a pick eleven setup uh, or pick fifteen setup with free hits every single week until this um, particularly difficult situation is over. Does that really just suit me at five hundred k? And is this really just me playing to the gallery? Perhaps, but that's for you to judge, dear listener. 
<laughs> that's fun coming from somebody who's not doing Mella. that great <laughs> oh, dear me um, I, I, th- I think that would probably be a situation I wouldn't like but I think somewhere in the middle of the two extremes between screw you all you're doing terribly keep doing terribly get down there kick you in the face versus give everyone a free hit I think it would be nice for them to do something I, I'm not at all anticipating they do anything but it would be nice You know, it would be nice to just uh, for them to recognise the situation is quite difficult anyway back to us here on HMS same boat just to round off this particular section i mean to sum up i don't know kind of if there's much we can say which isn't particularly kind of straightforward try to build as many quality men as possible try to round off your squad as mart said and have those quality talisman and good form such players have good underlying data in your team where you can and don't worry too much about bench head- headaches seems to be kind of mine i guess it's similar for you mark isn't it about keeping that squad rounded and i guess for you transfers just chill out wait until the last kind of 10 minutes just on the point of bench and headaches as well I've, I've kind of adjusted to the point of i don't really view my bench players as substitutes anymore they're kind of they're squad players you know they're, they're going to be needed there was a couple of weeks ago where i benched rafinha against chelsea and i was extremely surprised that i didn't get him off the bench as first sub i was actually very disappointed because that was the reason i i went for the stronger bench obviously it's kicked in the last couple of game weeks but just you don't want to be getting two pointers off your bench anymore. You know, your Brownhills, your Sissokos, they've got to go now and you've got to get decent options because they're going to be needed. Um, so yeah, again, patience, patience, patience. I know it's not everybody can be online 10 minutes before the deadline, but if you can be, um, you know, it, it, it definitely makes sense now. And, and not even just 10 minutes before, you know, two or three minutes before is probably when you should pull the trigger now. And it's a bit scary leaving it so late. I always have three or four clocks around me to make sure I'm on the right on the right time just in case. But yeah, yeah, as late as possible. Yeah, I think I agree with that, Mark, that in terms of squad balance and stuff, it's it's don't make brown hills out of mountains is kind of the way you kind of have to go about it. It is just get a, a slightly more balanced squad if you want to try and navigate your way through kind of taking this more aggressively, turning your HMS same boat downwind, stick up your spinnaker and uh, enjoy the show, I think, and really aggressively hit that wind if you can, if you want to try and navigate these uncertain times and gain green arrows against the grain while everyone else kind of panics and tries to pick their way through this in a somewhat calm fashion. It's a, t- it's a tough time. It's not going to be easy. I don't think it's going to have much of a semblance of sense to it, but you can try to have some sense to what you do in the midst of the crazy chaoticness that will probably be the next two to three game weeks at minimum. All right, let's take a break there and move on to the correspondence and questions. Talk about some actual FPL stuff in just a second. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Cool. All right, we're back. And it's time to move on to correspondence and listeners' questions. Anthony, correspondence. What was it this week? What even is the correspondence section, I guess, is the first question I should answer. And this is the chance for people to get in their long-form questions, indeed, their poetry, their thoughts, or whatever it might be, to who got the assist at gmail.com or whatever other way that you know how to reach us with. And indeed, this week, FPL Sheriff got in touch with us via email with a very novel question in this case. Hi, guys. Long-time listener. Bit of fun and a deviation from the usual questions. We've had lots of phantom assists, Macaulay, Gate, etc. But what about if the old Cruyff, Ajax, or Perez Henry, or Messi Suarez penalty routine happened? How do we imagine that this would be reflected in the point scoring? And who do we think would be most likely to brave it and attempt it in the current Premier League? Given the amount they've gotten through, FPL Sheriff thinks it will be City in a post-title decided dead rubber game at the Etihad involving Foden and KDB. He does say that the Twitter mini meltdown would be fun regardless. Fun is one word for it, I would say. Best regards, guys, and keep up the good work. Thanks, Sheriff. So, folks, what do we think? Mark, have you uh, thoughts on this particular, how A, FPL might deal with it, and I guess B, who might do it? 
I enjoyed enjoyed reading this one today. I had to go back and watch the Cruyff the Cruyff one because I'd never seen it. So that took me down a rabbit hole on Twitter of watching all kinds of bloody penalties. But it's, that was that was good. If it happened, they I presume, you know, the the Perez plays the pass, Henri scores. But surely you just get the assist and the goal as usual. In terms of of two two teams came to mind when I when I read the question. The first one was Brentford. I can imagine Ivan Tony stepping up. He plays the he plays the sideways pass to Mbumo, and Mbumo just blasted off the crossbar. <laughs> the other one, the other one, I think I can imagine Neil Mopai being involved in something like this, but it going yeah, horribly wrong. I can just that's a shout. Can, that is a shout. I can just imagine Mopai standing there, hands over his face, like like Perez after after making a mess of it. Trossard is supposed to come in and score, but Mopai messes up the execution. So yeah, that was the that was the two that came to mind for me. Great show. I, I had the bad boys of Man City, uh, Foden and Grealish, being involved in some shenanigans, uh, whipping it and spanking it around. Um, I, I guess one thing, though, is that I'm sure they'd probably give a missed penalty to the person who tries to assist it, which I think well, that might see you break even, right? Uh, a missed penalty. Yeah, they'd have, they'd have that penalty miss and the assist. Yeah, I, I would have thought so. What do you think, Anthony? Um, I think in the overall scheme of things, I guess, okay, like you, Tom, I, I, I imagine the point scoring to go that particular way. In terms of who I think might do it, I actually don't think City will be involved in it at all. I think that that's the type of, the level of control that's kind of demanded by their manager and by a lot of the other top six teams as managers means that I don't think that that will be allowed even in some sort of dead rubber sense. I think it's like this part of the reason why we haven't seen, for example, Ederson taking any penalties. It's There's this whole entire not to be seen to be playing with oppositions or with the occasion or whatever. There's this whole respect thing. So I think it's more, much more likely to happen in a team where you know consternation reigns supreme and where the manager has lost control of the players, especially in dead rubber types games, or where personalities think that they outshine the collective in some way. And it's just, you know, a renegade kind of takes over, just wants to prove a point for whatever reason, or, you know, someone is meant to be taking penalties, but someone has a goal bonus that they want and they make an agreement with their, you know, one of their teammates to make sure that they get the chance to get the goal, even though, you know, technically the person who's meant to take the penalty takes the penalty. And so in that regard, I kind of think it's in the other 14, someone, I think the Brighton's a great shout, not necessarily because um, it's, it's kind of in the Mopay category of just like, it's the sort of thing that would occur with Mopay uh, as a poor, as opposed to anything else to do with um, how controlled or whatever Brighton are. They're as good a shout as any uh, in there. It does seem though, something that would happen not this season, but with West Ham, you know, just kind of things occur at West Ham uh, in general. And they would have just been my shout, but this year it doesn't seem like the year where that will be happening. Uh, with them, yeah, but they they not do something mad with penalty, would they? Like you know, sub a man on to take a last minute penalty. <laughs> That's not something <laughs> they do. That wasn't that wasn't that mad. That it made an awful lot of sense, and he would have he would have been an like Moyes would have been a genius for bringing him on and scoring that penalty had it gone in. But unfortunately, just the way uh, fate had it, it didn't quite work out for him that day. But yes, indeed. Thanks, FPL Sheriff, for writing in with this particular email. Sheriff emailed who got the assist at gmail.com to feature in the correspondence section. You too could do the same if you do email us to who got the assist at gmail.com. Something for you all to aspire to and you all to write into. We've got quite a few actually loaded up, but yeah, always welcome more.
Right, let's move on to the main questions this week. The first question is from our man Benny Blanco. Ear lads, he says. He says, if things knew, if we knew things carried on as normal, I think discussions over the optimal five midfield would be really interesting. There's so many great options in the current situation. Who would your picks be? And you asked me that question this morning before we found out that you know all the games were going to be pushing forward as as probably uh, we didn't think in the, we didn't think that was going to happen this morning. So. Um, I guess this goes back to Mark's idea of a rounded team earlier on, like you know the, the days of Douglas Louise or uh, Josh Brownhill were temporarily uh, over at the moment. I mean, Mark, do you want to start off here? I mean, I guess Salah and maybe probably Jota are a given, but you know, what are the other three members of that ideal midfield like? Yeah, reading this question kind of made me realise that midfield is a bit more open now than it was a couple of weeks ago, you know, especially if all the fixtures go ahead, it's quite exciting. You know, a lot of people are going to start going different routes now. So in terms, you know, if I was building a wild card this week, I think Salah obviously stays. I think Jota would stay as well. And then the other three options, I wouldn't have a Brownhill type. So I probably would have five decent options. I think Martinelli probably goes into my top five now at the moment as the cheapest one, just a nice enabler, even if he's, even if he's your first sub in certain game weeks I still think a Manchester City midfielder is a good idea but it's getting harder and harder now to decide who is actually the best one especially after Grealish and Foden were on the bench we've got KDB back now just to complicate things Gundogan didn't get minutes so it's it's tricky but I still think one of them is is a good idea and then the fifth one if budget allows I think Hyungman's son is back on the menu um, obviously Spurs missed quite a few games but if you go into Son's profile on FPL it's it's three goals in his last three should have had a lot more you know he should have got points in that most recent fixture I think he had three big chances uh, at the weekend so yeah Son definitely back in my thoughts now so I think yeah Salah shot to Son a Man City midfielder and Martinelli and then probably cheap up front So you're ditching your man Bowen in spite of the fact that he has pretty decent fixtures? Yeah, if, if I've had Bowen for a couple of game weeks, I think I got two blanks out of him and then a non-fixture. Uh, I've got Antonio as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not overly keen on keeping the double up because West Ham have gone off the boil a little bit. They're not as good as they were in the early part of the season. So yeah, I would be willing to sacrifice Bowen in order to somehow fit Son back in there because I lost, I had Son and then I sold him when the, the Tottenham games got postponed. Because my thoughts are so similar to yours in terms of which midfielders I'd be looking at, I might just even continue the quiz and talk about Conor Gallagher slash Conor Gallagher. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I really like him. He's he's kind of he's that player that I haven't owned all season, and I feel like it's going to get to game week thirty eight, and I'm going to be saying why didn't I own him at some point? I think it reminds me of Stuart Dallas last season. Mm-hmm. Never owned him. I think I owned him on my free hit for a two-pointer and that was it. Uh, and Gallagher feels like that player that you always want to get to, but something else always crops up, especially nowadays with fixtures getting called off. There's always a reason not to get Gallagher, but just such a good player. Um, just in terms of the eye test, you know, you watch him yeah. getting into the six-yard box all the time. He's always, you know, when Palace score goals, you, you do the you do the Gallagher check. Where is he? Eyes two or three yards away from the guy who scored the goal. You know if that pass goes slightly differently, Gallagher's on the end of it. Yeah. So just I still just think he's a fantastic FPL asset, and hopefully in the new year I'll be able to finally bring him in. Yeah, when he's playing in a different shirt, perhaps. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was reading contrasts and reports on that that they could call him back. They I've couldn't call him two, back. Yeah. So it's it's hard to it's hard to know what's actually going to happen there. So but Chelsea could definitely do with him and I think he would slot straight into that midfield at the moment given the issues they have. He'd be it seems like a no brainer based on what we've seen so far if he was indeed at Chelsea. 
see in a few weeks' time. That would be yeah. Part uh, of me hopes he does go back, so then I so then I don't have to buy him an FPL. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, what about the three pen man, Rafinha? Yeah, I've been very very loyal to him. I've had him basically all season. I think I sold him that week he got injured, then I got him straight back in on the wild card. He's just been ticking over so nicely. So it would be it would be very hard to lose him. But it's in the back of my mind, it's always leads how bad they are at the moment. It's how yeah. much longer can he continue to carry them? You know, it, it has been quite reliant on penalties recently. It probably, you know, papers over the cracks a little bit. So Rafinha, yeah, he I don't know if he would make my top five at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting. His, his data has really tailed off. Like he was, I sold him because his data had trailed off and I kind of saw the injury as the perfect time to do so. And um, it's really burnt me um, just because he's just ticked away on points. Uh, agree with you on Salah and Jota. I think they're kind of the, they're the ones that you'd have to have. And I'm really, really regretting moving on Jota a few weeks ago when he had that injury, which turned out to be was a one or two game injury. It's hurt me getting rid of him in the end. A city midfielder, I'm in agreement with you as well. It's very, very tough, as you say, to pick one. I'd have been a strong Fotonite in previous weeks. Uh, I, am, I think it's going to be pretty hard to follow that particular uh, faith for any longer. Uh, and so with that in mind, I've got a, a little bit more uh, thinking to do on city midfielders, but that's something we're going to come to later. I, I find it interesting that we're as into... Martinelli this quickly um, he and Saka are both starting very well in terms of XG and things and indeed uh, Arsenal's fixtures Norwich Wolves City Spurs so there's short term good uh, long term not so good I'm not sure if I'd include either of them in my top five yet though uh, Saka had been one that was in my team for a long time on his data and just continued to disappoint and frustrate me I think I'm going to hold on to, to Bowen in my own personal team I'm not going to rush him out short of some sort of injury slash COVID news that would mean I'd want to um, but when you look at the midfield list, yeah, someone like Son would be tempting. Um, but Bowen, his underlying data is still there. If you're not on the double up, I don't think he's a bad choice still. Um, so I'm not sure if he'd make my top five if I was on a wild card, but I'm not too frustrated having him in my side at the moment. Yeah, when it comes to the double up at West Ham, I've got Antonio and Bowen. And if I was going mm-hmm. to lose one, it's probably Antonio first. Yeah. You know, I think I'd rather Bowen for the, for the price and... Underlying numbers are much better as well, yeah. So he's just having such a such a good season. I'm just a bit frustrated because of since I've had him, he's gone a little bit quieter. But you know, a couple of good fixtures to come. So hopefully, hopefully, we can have a big Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. I had the same kind of um, issue. Which one do I sell? And uh, do I sell Antonio for Lacazette or do I sell Bowen for Martinelli? And I I went with uh, Bowen for Martinelli just because. Well, I, the forwards are all rubbish, so I prefer to be moving a transfer at the moment or using a transfer at the moment. I think as Anthony made this point earlier on, on that kind of more uh, point-heavy midfield. Uh, so that's kind of where I went. I'm broadly in agreement with everything you said, basically. I mean, a United player would be nice in that midfield, but there isn't really a son to Ronaldo's cane hanging around, like Bruno maybe, Sancho, Punt. But I mean, no, I don't think there's enough information to get these players. And Son himself, don't forget, there's double game weeks coming for that guy. Um, so, I mean, in some ways, he's probably the, my main target for the short term. Um, another wild card I mentioned perhaps is Mason Mount. Um, he's up to 10th for SGI uh, this season thus far amongst all players. But, I mean, I, I think broadly the, the midfield, there are loads of different options and we'll come on to actually the City Miz just after this. But as you said earlier on, I think it's quite interesting that suddenly we've gone from two two slots are still quite set in stone for the moment, Salah and Jota. But the rest of it, I think, is kind of open season. Uh, let's move on to that city midfield, actually, because there were a couple of questions on that this week. Um, so FPL, 
FPL Elf uh, this week asks, aside from all the questions surrounding the uncertainty of fixtures, which we're going to go into, which we've gone into, obviously, he s- says Bernardo, um, you know, two blanks, 135 minutes versus Leeds and Newcastle of all people. Is this a sign of his previous over performance now catching up with him? Or is he still a decent FPL asset to own? And Andy Penman asked about Foden as well. Now, what does one do with someone like this, he says. So Foden first. Uh, Pep gave us some tidbits t- uh, today, um, or maybe yesterday, about why he didn't play versus Newcastle. He was asked whether Foden was rotated. And he said, no, not rotation, no. I decided for this team because they deserve to play today. These guys, not the other ones. At Christmas time, I pay a lot of attention to behaviour on and off the pitch. And when off the pitch is not proper... They are not going to play. Sounds like a hangover to me. <laughs> but yeah, I guess the risk is that he's been naughty step now, uh, despite his great data, which we all spoke about. And you know, Mark, you're very close to getting him. I did get him. He's eighth overall from non GI this season. Um, and on the other hand, um, Bernardo, the irony is that he's now ticking up data-wise. Um, he's up to 15th from non GI after being in the doldrums for ages. Okay, maybe... That one big miss um, was was is part of the reason for that, um, but I, I, if if I'm kind of choosing between the two now in kind of a false a forced binary, I would kind of be tempted to look at clean cut Bernardo who goes out walking the dogs. Um, uh, he's on four yellow cards though, to be fair. Um, but it just feels like perfect timing, doesn't it? That we've got both the COVID crapshoot and Pep Roulette spinning up at full spin at this time. It's, it really is quite difficult to manage, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, and it's it's funny. That's a good example of how quickly things change in FPL. You know, about three or four days ago, I was hell-bent on getting Foden at all costs. And I've got Bernardo Silva, and I, I don't feel great about owning him. Uh, at one point last week, before there was any postponements, I was thinking of actually just doing Bernardo to Foden uh, because I felt like Foden was the better option. You know, more explosive, more fun to own. Bernardo, to me, is still quite a boring pick, even though he's been having a very productive season. Uh, but now, as we head towards the Boxing Day fixtures, it kind of swings back in Bernardo's favour. As you say, you know, when you read Pep's comments about behaviour issues, it just completely puts me off. He's a rotation risk anyway. And if there's issues off the field, no thank you. I will take clean-cut Bernardo, who you can't imagine is going to be going you know, too crazy over Christmas and getting himself into trouble. So yeah, I'm probably going to, probably reluctantly a little bit, keep Bernardo. But then, you know, you go, you look for a bit of confirmation bias as well. I think he created four chances in that game at the weekend. So the numbers are decent. And I think we've got to remember, he's he's so cheap. He plays for the, you know, best, one of the best attacking teams in the league. Even if he ticks over with an average of five or six points over a long period of time, you're, you're getting good bang for your buck. So yeah, I'm probably going to keep Bernardo because it's unlikely that he's ever going to be my weakest link in my squad until I play the second wild card. So I think he might stay there long term now. I'm really caught in a bind with this one. I really do not know what to do with phone. I think I'm going to wait for a minute at least to see where the quotes go on the Foden thing. I, I don't feel like we're going to be left hanging from where we were um, in terms of info, whether that be thanks to the Red Tops or be that through Pep quotes. I suspect we will get a little bit more uh, information on what exactly is going on in that particular problem. It, it does make the decision a lot harder in terms of city midfielders or who I might go to. I I don't feel like for someone who's in my position, Bernardo is going to have the explosive returns required to make it worthwhile. Yeah, in my case, it's just like, look, I don't have Jota. Maybe the thing is just get Jota in, you know, worry about the city midfield again later on and continue to plough the insanely lonely and frustrating 
frustrating furrow that is with Gabriel Jesus um, for another little bit longer. Um, in, in the more longer term, it's just such a pity that uh, you can, we can't really depend on Mares, obviously, with AFCON. Um, because just it, on just current form alone, you'd look to him. Gundogan is another one who you'd look to, but of course there's the KDB problem. But KDB and both and him and, and even Sterling, are, they're just too much of a stretch that even though the returns are starting to take along, I'm not sure if anyone is willing to really rip apart their team and I guess especially their midfield to try and fund that particular move. Um, and so whilst I would have thought, while I would think a City midfielder, if you can get that balance right, is exactly what you might need in your team. I'm not sure if Bernardo is the answer that's going to really fire you forward, but at the same time, there isn't a very viable, clear, easy-to-access alternative to him that you can depend on, and I guess from an FPL EO perspective, not be hammered by. And and I guess that is why at the moment, you know, I, if I was to point anyone to any, if I was to point you to a city midfielder, it's Bernardo, but it's with zero conviction whatsoever. I mean, if you look at all the points, the points have pretty much been shared actually for the last couple of weeks. So there's an argument perhaps that you'd say, well, games are continuing no matter what. And the good thing about City is that their B team is as good as their A team. So if some of their A team are knocked out by COVID, then the B team will come in and also Pep can rotate them a lot. So it's like a double jeopardy really with City. And you've got, as you said earlier on Anthony, a couple of really expensive options. I didn't even bother mentioning like um, KDB and Raheem Sterling because they're both substitute goods, aren't they? And you've got cheaper goods in the likes of Bernardo, the likes of Foden, the likes of Gundogan, who can provide similar ban for your buck. Like it's just, it's just not value to be buying any of those players apart from the differential reasons. So yeah, no, it is, uh, it's difficult or as Nick would say, it's tough. I think that it's one of those where you kind of come back to it in a couple of weeks when you've got a transfer to mess with. If you've got Bernardo, definitely keep him. Um, you know, the higher up you are, I suppose, the more of a hygiene factor he becomes. But, I don't know. It's, it's I'm I'm in a similar bind to you, Anthony, with, as a phone owner. What do I do with it? I'm going to have to just watch the news effectively and see if anything else comes out and see how long this naughty stepping goes on. But you know, it is kind of developing in my mind to think, you know, what just just sub up sub out of City altogether and buy Son in instead because um, I think they'll do the same job. I mean, at least Son is a bit more expensive too. Um, Next question, uh, the Chelsea defence drop-off. So uh, Karen Tazir uh, WhatsApps me and said, uh, hey guys, I've got a question about ditching Chelsea defenders. So with the Villa game, um, maybe in doubt potentially because they were the most recent team to um, have a, a COVID call-off. Uh, the fixture list for Chelsea could then be blank, Brighton, which could also be a blank, Liverpool, Man City, Spurs, and then a pair of blanks due to uh, the, well, the Club World Cup. So... Yeah, quite a tough list there. He asks, is there a strong case for ditching Chelsea defenders? Um, uh, Mark, where do you stand on this one? Yeah, I've got two at the moment. I've got James and Alonso. Uh, in my mind, James is a season keeper. So I think he'll probably survive regardless of fixtures, unless it gets to the point where, you know, if they do have two blanks in a row for Club World Cup or whatever. But at the moment, fingers crossed, next couple of fixtures go ahead. I'll keep Alonso and James for those. But I think once it gets to the Liverpool, Man City, Tottenham trio of fixtures, I might jump off the Alonso train. We talked a lot about Manchester City midfielders there. I think when there's a lot of doubt about which Man City midfielder to go for, it means a lot of people are probably not going to double up on the Man City midfield. So then it opens the door to go back to double City defence. And I'm quite tempted to do so. You know, I've got Cancelo. Most people do. You don't gain much 
unless you captain him, like quite a few people did at the weekend. But yeah, going back to Diaz, possibly, just as a plug him in, boring pick, leave him there for the rest of the season, and he'll probably provide good value. So yeah, I think that's probably where I'm leaning at the moment. If I do lose Alonso in the near future, is probably go to Diaz, I think. I think it's, it's probably... Rüdiger is a tricky one as well because I kind of view Rüdiger. I haven't owned him all season, and he's been one of those very annoying players that you don't own. You know, like like a Smith Rowe. They just continue every week. You check when Chelsea score, there's actually quite a high chance that Rüdiger's going to be involved, which is bizarre given that he's a, one of the three centre backs. But he's not really a centre back. You know, he's, he's as much a wing back as he is a, a centre back these days. So yeah, I think it's a bit trickier if you have Rüdiger. But again, probably like Alonso. You know, when it gets when when the fixtures do get a bit more difficult, you know, I probably would look to have just one Chelsea defender. I think boring, boring. Um, Diaz is just four points behind Rudiger. <laughs> so it's just it's just one of those, isn't it? Where you get kind of the, as you said the kind of the drip feed of points through a, a plodder like Ruben, whereas you've got Rudiger uh, rampaging up the pitch, going on an adventure every now and again. I mean, Chelsea are still the second best defense overall this season at twenty five point four non penalty against them. Um, Best of the rest, City are miles ahead. But, you know... Um, Break it down a little bit more, though. You know, since game week 13, yeah, which is when was, they when they started to dip. That, yeah. yeah, this is it. You know, they'd have expected to keep two clean sheets. That's not particularly great in that time. They only managed to keep one clean sheet. They conceded eight times, the sixth worst in that period. Uh, watching them, they don't look anywhere near the lock in defence that they felt like, you know, whatever it was at this point, six game weeks ago. Um, so I'm I'm someone who's actually doubled up and who's someone who has Rudiger with James. And I guess it's tagging on to what you were saying, Mark, about how James, I, I'm not sure if I'd call him a season keeper, but certainly just from the perspective of how explosive he is and how nailed he seems to be at this point, he's the one who I'd move on in a bid to try and get more, just more of those clean sheet points that I might get from a City defender. I kind of feel like, yeah, Rudiger has got there quite well, um, has kept up quite well in terms of points so far. But there might be just more to gain from Diaz over this next period, for example. So like you, I was looking towards getting onto that City double up because it does seem like a much more consistent route to points than any other defence right now. The Liverpool defence, you wouldn't definitely wouldn't double up on Alexander-Arnold as more than enough. I mean, I've, I've got Reese James. I think I'll be similar to Mark leaving him there until I've got a reason to get rid of him. I think maybe that double blank for the Club World Cup could be the time when I do kind of think, oh, is it worth getting rid of him? But I got him at 5.7. He's now 6.3. There's still going to be quite a bit, big difference to pay if I do kind of lose uh, concentration, uh, sorry, lose patience with him. Um, but I think that that's... Um, if you're in, a, if you've got the double, um, I probably broadly agree with you guys that there's only one defence which is worth doubling up on right now, and that's Man City's. That's for sure. Next question: Pain in the Arsenal. Um, a couple of questions. I think we kind of touched on these a little bit, so we're not going to go into this um, again. Um, but ES rotation. Uh, Ammons, Nordic Ragpie asked about ESI. He says, you know, if games go ahead as planned, should we should we be sticking with him if you own? So Anthony, probably one for you, um, because. He says, you know, it's, it's looking a bit dicey for him because he's getting his cameos, he's scoring his goals, um, but Saka, Martinelli and Odegaard uh, continue their continuing their run and doing okay and off the same threat over a, a great period of time, perhaps. So is it worth sticking with ESR? And the FPL banger says he bought in Laka, so the same as you, Mark, and now feels a bit silly because he's locked out of Martinelli. Does he re- correct this mistake? Is it even a mistake? Um, I'll just give my little spiel on Arsenal and then I'll pass on to you both. Um, yeah, ESR, seven goals from 2.7 XG. So a 259% overperformance. 
yeah, no way is that no way is that sustainable. No, we all know that. But he's at his price, he's one that you'd probably be happy to keep. He's still integral to how we set up. But Odegaard was imperious last game. He was he was actually brilliant versus Leeds. So Norwegian captain as well. So maybe a candidate's take over from Aubameyang, Yang, you never know. Three chance three big chances created, five chances created. He's really coming into his own. Uh, but he's maybe more of an assist than a goal threat. Um I actually favour, you know, the man I brought in uh, this week, not Marcinelli, who admittedly his data is great, uh, but my by my boy Bukayo as Marcel asset of choice. So he's still got the best underlying data and uh, he is less of a risk in some ways of dropping out of the team. I don't think he will. I don't think that Marcinelli will in time soon. But with Marcinelli at that price, the risk is priced in, Anthony, as you know, I, like, as I know you like me to say. Uh, but um, Artes has been very encouraging about him as well. And his expected goal involvement in the last six, Marcel is through the roof. TLDR, there's a case to make for all of the midfield. Um, but I think Saka is the mo- probably the one that I'd be favouring at the moment because there is the underlying data in terms of goal threat as well as creativity. And l- lacquer-wise, I didn't go there. I was considering it, but due to not wanting to make a forward switch, and also because Adam Pritchard had a proper hissy fan me, seriously. He told me not to buy him or we couldn't be friends anymore. Ridiculous. So I went with Martinelli instead. It was good. Uh, but Laka in the game wasn't too bad, was he? I mean, two shots on target. That's pretty miraculous, actually. I think he had about six shots in the last few games. It wasn't very much, very many that he'd had. And two big chances missed, particularly that miss at the end of the first half where he hit it straight at Melier. A dodgy assist, too. I just wonder with Lacazette if he's entered the conversation due to a lack of other options in the forward line. <laughs> I, I think that that probably is the reason why he's there more than anything else. And if I was FPL banger, for example, I would perhaps be wondering if it's time to send him off to the, the glue factory, depending on the games that are ready to go next week. I mean, let's start with um, let's start with Lacker. Uh, Mark, I mean, what what do you think about that going forward? Are you happy with him? What do you what would you say to Banger as well? It was yeah, it was definitely a case of we bought him because there was no one else. I think it's the first time this season. I keep a watch list of about twenty five players, update it every week, and this is the first time I bought a player this season who wasn't actually on my watch list. And that's the main reason I keep a watch list is to stop me from buying players that are not on it. But it got to the point when once the Watkins Aston Villa game was postponed. It was a case of right. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a forward move here because I'm quite happy with my midfielders. Uh, and I was doing a Q and A, and everyone was asking questions about strikers. And my answer to almost everyone was, yeah, Lacazette, Lacazette. You know, the, all the signs are pointing towards Lacazette this week because there's no one else. You don't have Watkins anymore, um, so there's there's no one else. And that's that's why I I ended up buying him in the end. Uh, in terms of is it a mistake that we bought him? I don't think it is. I was quite encouraged by the performance. You know, we had a couple of big chances created a couple of chances as well. But I think what I like most about Lacazette now, maybe the, maybe compared to previous seasons, I like what's behind them. I like Saka. I like Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, yeah, Martinelli. They're going to create chances for him. Uh, and and he, and he is a decent striker. You know, he's probably not a top-class striker. But he, he'll get, I think he'll get enough chances to, to, to get goals. Uh, I don't think any of us are going to have him long-term. We're probably, he's a placeholder until someone else emerges. I think Calvert-Lewin's due back very shortly, players like that. So if you're locked in now because you got Lacazette, you know, maybe have a, a Rams deal on the Ben White as well or a Smith-Rowe, I wouldn't be moving things around. I wouldn't be making two free transfers to get rid of Lacazette to get Martinelli in because I think uh, it's a good fixture boxing day as well for Arsenal. So, you know, just keep Lacazette for that one. And more than likely, you're probably going to have to use your transfer elsewhere anyway for things we don't know about yet. So yeah, I think Lacazette, totally fine to keep. 
Uh, and yeah, hopefully for those of us who do have him, that he just takes over um, over the next couple of game weeks. And then we're waiting for that striker to emerge. Maybe maybe Watkins, when he gets the Chelsea fixture out of the way, we might go back there. Interesting kind of listening to you both talking about this one. I'd been frustrated with the ESR stuff and I think I'm kind of coming down from that particular uh, move that I, I, I was feeling, okay, Arsenal midfield, people are getting points from it and I am, you know, in my own head at risk of not getting points. I'm not quite sure where things are going to go with ESR next. I think the fact that he hasn't started the last two, you're like, oh, okay, not good. But you're thinking rotation, he's playing himself back into the team. One of the things that Arteta always asked of him was to get more goals. He is doing this off, even off the bench. Um, he has, you know, been very important for them all season long. Um, I think he actually might have got fans player of the year or something today. I think I read somewhere. You know, there's he doesn't seem like the type of player who'd be kept out of the starting eleven for a long time. And so I think I need to stop myself panicking about him. I've got I'm I'm going to have plenty of far bigger problems in my team, I think, than Emil Smith Rowe. So I'm not going to move him on in the short term. I do understand where you're all coming from from the perspective of Martinelli being that super cheap, handy option. And I can see why. Um, especially if you're trying to enable something, he is obviously a, a prime candidate at his price point. Um, I'll even begrudgingly admit that he's a better buy than Alan um, for that particular fifth midfield slot. Absolutely. Um, uh, the Lacazette thing, I, I sympathise with you on Lacazette, Mark, in that you know, he was the one that everything pointed towards in the forwards, but the forwards are all just dross. So I'm not sure if <laughs> I'm like, I would I tell people to sell him. Probably not, because at least he'll play. But at the same time a frustrating one to own and Saka is just I'm not going back um, the underlying data tempted me in the returns didn't come they haven't been too bad in the last few weeks but at the same time there's nowhere near enough for me to want to go back there even if he's great to watch uh, he is a fantastic player the underlying data is there it's just not matched by returns anywhere near consistently enough and never had outside of a few very short bursts yeah just on just on Lacazette again before, before we move on is I think there's two players in my squad now. They're there, and I don't love it. It's, it's Bernardo Silva, and it's and it's Lacazette. You know, I'm going into game weeks now, and I'm not expecting huge things from them. If I can get six points from them, I'm very very happy. And if I if I was making the decision this week, Lacazette versus a midfielder, I think my choice would probably be different now. I think it'd be going Martinelli over Lacazette, just mainly budget. You know, what is it? Oh, probably about three million in the difference. That's that's a lot of cash. That's that's to me is that's sun money. You know that I, that I don't have now. Going Lacazette, you know the the thing about last week was you know everything had to be done last minute. We didn't have much thinking time, and now I've gone Lacazette and I've only left myself about 0.3 in the bank, which is not ideal at the moment. Um, so yeah, that's I'm slightly concerned that I might be, you know, I might miss out on one or two other targets because I've I've spent that bit extra on an Arsenal attacking player. Whereas in hindsight, you know maybe maybe a cheaper midfielder might have been the better way to go. Fair play. Fair play. Okay. Um, Kane, really? Oh, do we have to? Uh, FPL Rhinos asks, if is Kane back on the menu? Maybe the COVID break has helped Spurs and he could be a good alternative to Ronaldo or is this another false dawn? Um, yeah, Harry bloody Kane. It's one of those where I'm kind of thinking, oh, I don't really want to go back here. But he is massively underperforming this season, it must be said. A non-pen XGI of 8.4, which has been met with two goals and one assist. Whatever's happening, it's just not working for him. But versus Liverpool, two big chances. And I remember him, uh, you know, 
looking a lot better than normal. Maybe the break was good because Conte, Conte has the time to coach them a little bit more. But I think I feel like he may have taken the direction to go out and break a leg a bit too literally. That's for sure. Um, I'm still more interested in Son than Kane, albeit Son's goal was more fortunate due to the Alisson mishap. The data on the day was pretty good. And as we've spoken about a few times, that breadth of quality in the squad makes it more preferable to me to go with the mid-price players rather than second premium. Um, I think we're probably all going to say the same here. But instead, what I'm going to ask you guys is about Ronaldo because we haven't got a question on it. But I think it might be worth just talking about because, I mean, the big man does have Newcastle next, assuming all is well. I'm guessing we're not going to be buying Kane. But what would you guys be saying to people who do start to look at Ronaldo and think, oh, you know what? I need to get him in versus Newcastle. Yes, yeah, it's still a no for me. I just I just think with, with the Ronaldo's and the Canes, the, the value hasn't been there. And, and I'm not convinced it will be there. And I just think given the circumstances, everything we've talked about tonight, you know, you've got Salah, you've got expensive defenders. There's just... To me, there's no space for a second premium, uh, in particular one of the strikers, when when I think you need your bench. And I think Ronaldo Cash or Kane Cash, you just buy two players instead of having one of them and just make your squad overall squad stronger. So yeah, I'm I'm still not, you know, I'm still not convinced by Manchester United FPL wise at the moment. Um so yeah, for me it's uh it's a no one Ronaldo as well. I think just with Ronaldo, it is it is that price point problem. I think uh, in another world, especially if he was a midfielder, and it would be easy to move from him to someone else. If I felt like it, you know, if there was a tempting bailout option, if um, you were to get him in for just a week or two, it would be a lot easier to see. But when there is, when it would require two transfers to undo getting Ronaldo. If you felt that it was a dud move, that's a real problem. Like a few weeks back, I had um, Bruno Fernandez on a bit of a punt for a for exactly one week in the end as it transpired and um, it didn't work out but at least it was easy to bail out of Just you don't have that with Ronaldo Kane also not on the menu for me not at all I think Son is the tempting option there yeah maybe a don't buy don't sell sort of situation if you have Ronaldo obviously you're not going to sell him but I'm not too sure I want to buy him um, final question this week which leads us nicely into the transfers and captains is from a friend of the pod Snake FPL he asks what's the best way to distinguish when to go against Salah for captaincy he says obviously that those who were brave were rewarded the game we just gone with Cancelo should we target opponents when Salah has double fixtures on paper cheers I mean Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I give you game week nine when captaining Kai Havertz versus Norwich rather than Mo Salah versus United. So those doing the former whips by variance. I mean, I'm in the algo uber alice category here, so I'm not going to comment too much. But as I've said a few times, this was Mo's first plant since game week two. And it's hard to operate, uh, separate sometimes outcome bias from foresight. Ultimately, it was a great call, obviously, to go with Cancelo. But for me, after many years of going against the mainstream captain and being pummeled, I've come to think you can just torture data however you like to fit your opinion. The proof of the pudding is always in the eating. It worked out this week, but will it most weeks? Probably not, because Mo hasn't blanked since game week two. Yeah, for me, it's it's... I'm not worried. Uh, Salah hasn't given me any reason yet to to look elsewhere. I don't even I don't even think about captaincy anymore. I just leave it. Uh, so it's, it's it's it's. I guess it's good. You know, hopefully he does blank a few more times. I guess because we do want to start opening up the door to other options. And it's you know Afcon obviously will have to go for other players during that time. But I just think when you've got a player, you know that we, we've never had a player that's been this consistent before. Uh, I think it's just easy. And Liverpool are, you know, playing really well in attack, at least. 
I, I just I just don't think there's any reason to go elsewhere. The beauty of Salah as well is you know he doesn't miss games. You know he's, I think he started every game in the league so far. Got a, his first substitution. Uh, now now you've done it. Now you've done it. <laughs> you might want to cut that bit out, Tom, just in case he gets benched on Boxing Day. Now. I'll, I'll have the, the the piranhas will be circling on Twitter when he when he's on the bench. So yeah, it's yeah for me very much. I, I think I said it a few weeks ago, right up until Afcon. I'm just going to leave it there. Um, you know he. The, the Cancello captainers are obviously beaming with smiles this week. But like you say, you know, how often does that happen? And, you know, trying to nail that, especially with a defender, uh, getting a huge points hole, it's quite hard to do so. So well done if you did it, but it's not going to change my process. For me, it's very simple. Just just always captain Salah for the, for the foreseeable. Funnily enough, and I think this is born out of my current or at about 560-ish K, I'm starting to get twitchy um, purely because it just seems like whilst, yeah, Salah is going well, there haven't been many double figure hauls lately. So whilst, yes, there's been the super duper consistency for Blanks game too, as you said, Tom, like he's, there's lots of, you know, one goal performances and one assist performances. And mm, th- that that's where things start to get tempting. That's where things start to get dangerous. That's where things start to move towards the, um, the Harvard's disaster that many people had that I was, fortunate enough to avoid at that particular time for me the problem is it's who do you go to there isn't an obvious fixture as far as i'm concerned this particular game week to go with um anybody else except for another liverpool player now you could go jota and that's you know interesting in that you know there is a way to torture the data to back that up he obviously gets in about as many goal scoring positions as salad just the outcomes are just nowhere near as good uh, on a consistent basis Trent Alexander-Arnold then is also one that would be quite tempting. Just his attacking returns have been super duper consistent uh, recently. And with it being Leeds up next, who are obviously struggling to score, there is an argument that you could see Rafinha as, you know, or you could see Trent Alexander-Arnold as one goal up on Salah before the game even starts um, with a good chance of getting a second return. He's been returning the three bonus points really frequently as well, recently as well, which... um, makes things like really tempting. It's four games in a row where Trent Alexander-Arnold has taken home the three bonus points. So there's an avenue there that you could argue that Trent could be a better captaincy pick than Salah in this particular game week. I've been mulling over it multiple times um, in the last few weeks. Um, Sometimes it would have worked out, sometimes it wouldn't have. Um, But when you're at my rank, I think you have to start uh, exploring the alternative. And I guess what you were saying about Mark is that, you know, it has been an auto-captain for so long that means there is obviously an avenue for to really gain on people. The problem is, is that the, the downside when it goes damn wrong, and we've all felt it at some point where we bet against Salah, it's it's very, very painful, especially because you know, at this point, I think Tom, you had a tweet during the week. It's like, remember when Salah tweets were a thing? They're no longer even a thing. That's how default this has become. And <laughs> I guess maybe at least you wouldn't have the pain of everyone celebrating it then because everyone forgets that there could be anyone else. Yes. Indeed. Well, I think we're all pretty nice on that. Transfers and captains then, just to finish off. Mark, where are you at? Um, are you going to be up early on Boxing Day, bright as a, a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, looking through all the, all the news, uh, making c- complex transfers? It's might, uh, it might have to be uh, late Christmas night transfers for me, because very often it's a, it's a sleep through the, the deadline on Boxing Day for me. So, but again, the way things are, I'm probably going to have to wake up and, and be groggy-eyed in case there's very late postponements and stuff like that. So it's quite interesting. I think a lot of people are in this in the position now where it's been absolutely chaotic for the last game week or two. But when you look at your team now for Boxing Day, 
it looks great because all the fixtures are there, all the players are there, particularly in my team. There's no yellow flags. Everything looks too good to be true. And I'm sure things are going to fall like dominoes as the week progresses. So overall, Salah captain against Leeds, easy decision and all going to plan if there's no postponements or, or even if there's only one or two postponements. I've got Rafinha, King and Livramento. So I'm, I really want to roll now. I think we've got to the stage now where double game weeks won't be too far away. So I think rolling a transfer, you know, with that in mind for the next couple of game weeks is something I want to try and do. So yeah, Captain Salah, hopefully no transfers and hopefully I can just sleep through the deadline and not worry about it. So my current bus team, uh, there's pros and there's cons. Guaita is still in goals. That's definitely a con. Um, my big at the back setup um, actually sees me probably looking as it stands with just the or the with the 15 that I'm going into this game week with uh, originally. Rudiger is actually sitting on the bench. Just I don't feel like doing the double up on Chelsea this particular weekend, given the rest of my team. So I've got uh, James, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Ben White, and Cancelo in midfield. Bowen, Foden, ESR, Salah. And then Jay-Z and Watkins up front. I just presume Rudiger would find his way into the team in some way with auto subs. Indeed, I'm actually thinking the reason why Rudiger is on that bench is because he's the one who's probably most likely up for the axe. Uh, with me probably thinking to double up on the city defense, or indeed to um just maybe, maybe, maybe move uh, to just a slightly more aggressive play uh, with a cheaper defender that would allow me to take a hit to upgrade one of my midfielders to uh, somebody else, perhaps maybe Son. Um, he's kind of, I feel like I'd be going a little bit ahead of people if I was to go and get Son. I do like things are, things are cooking quite nicely all of a sudden for Spurs. Um, they've always, they've got all those games in hand. They've had that bit of a break. And it seems like things are going together. It'd be nice to get a little bit ahead of people with him. Uh, Jesus, I'm going to keep now. It, 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 I can't believe I, Jesus is staying in my side. But the fact of the matter is, is that all of a sudden it seems like the rotations, the indiscretions, whatever has happened, seems to have happened, means that everything is funneling towards a Jesus Hall on what I will call Stephen's Day and everyone else will call Boxing Day on this uh, particular Zoom call. Uh, so... Let's hope for that. Think of me when Jesus gets that hat trick, folks. Just think of me. It'd be very timely, as I've said a couple of times. <laughs> Tom, what do you mean? <laughs> finally, me. It's just my rapacious wit, Anthony. What can I say? Um, finally, for me, same as Mark. I'm hoping I can roll it. I'd rather not be thinking about FPL on Christmas Day, nor making bleary eye transfers on Boxing Day. I mean, I've got a strong bench too. Uh, Cody, Watkins and Dennis aren't on the pitch for me um, as a function of, basically, as Mark said, all the hits I've made during the dodgy game weeks we've seen. Like, it looks ridiculous. It looks like almost bench boostable. Um, but obviously, I'm not going to be doing that. Um, Salah captain, see how it all goes other than that. And I'm sure there's going to be a pull on Twitter to, you know, maybe buy Ronaldo in, but I don't think I'll do so. I just It doesn't feel worth the hit unless news rolls, rolls in that a couple of games are off. But even then, I'd have to sit there, you know, thinking of some manoeuvre to bring Ronaldo in as well as... And Ronaldo, Ronaldo even plays in the Monday game. You know, chronologically, know. it's the most dangerous one of all. <laughs> I know. And then I've got to juggle that analysis with keeping an eye on the rolling news ahead of the 11am deadline on the 26th after I'm hungover. Can I be asked to do all these things to make up loads of kind of intricate transfers? No, no, I don't want to. So I really want to just hold it where I am. As Mark said, have a transfer in the bank for the upcoming um, double game weeks and stuff. I do have cash in the bank for Son to Foden, um, which may tempt me um, if we hear more news that Foden has been naughty set or something like that. Uh, but my team's looking pretty strong, um, so I'd 
probably hopefully be able to roll it and who knows maybe i'll just sleep through anyway so i'll do myself a favor and uh, leave myself because you know the bench is pretty strong and it's just a case of you know uh, it's, it's only going to go bad if uh, touch wood it doesn't things go into really dire straits and i think that's that's your lot yeah that's absolutely it tom uh when doom strikes sleep don't go to a garden party thanks very much everyone for listening we were who got the assist if you want to watch this podcast as opposed to listen to it you can just search wgta on youtube and you will see us there if you want to join the mini league um and come back come in and usurp the leader who just usurped our previous leader by joining the league at 2ip43t you can do it now because you won't get another chance 2IP43T. Correspondence is who got the assist at gmail.com or indeed just uh, get onto us on DMs, whatever it might be, uh, as a method of contact if you have some sort of alternative correspondence that might need to be sent via some other means. Thanks very much, Mark, for coming on. You'll find Mark um, at the little known Twitter account that is at FPL General. That's all one word on Twitter. Thanks so much for, having, for being here again, Mark, to complete your hat trick. Yeah, cheers for having me, guys. Um... Hope you both have a lovely Christmas and, and thanks very much for the podcast all season. I've really enjoyed them. Thank you. That's very kind of you. And thanks very much for your time this evening. Um, going forward, we'll see what the situation's like. Um, we'll hopefully be back with you for maybe one more pod this calendar year, depending on how it all goes. It may be probably will definitely be a quick fire one. I don't know when we'll get it in. Um, but in the meantime, we hope we've assisted you think about navigating this strange period aboard HMS Same Boat. And I wish you all a happy and healthy Christmas. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Speak to you very soon. Goodbye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.